Crossbones. Yes. Welcome to Go Home Heat, my good friend. I brought you in this week. I hadn't got to talk to you in a little while, and I like talking to you. Yeah, no, it's good to be back. Good to be back. I appreciate it. I have been following your show. I love it. And um, thank you for having me on. Man, how's uh, how's, how's uh, clanging and banging doing? It's good. It's good. Um, we have been, uh, since we've started, our podcast has been going for about this for three years. And this has been one over the past three years. The most unbelievable things have happened from the company being sold to this tribal chief era, the pandemic. It has been just just chaos, but it makes for good podcasts. How's Blake doing? Oh, he's good. He's good. He's working in the uh, the movie industry, uh, doing some stunt work and just staying busy. And uh, following wrestling, he doesn't really like Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it looks like he's or getting Logan, some work. Or Logan, or Logan Paul. Oh, I get it. Yeah, he don't like he don't like the invaders from other from other walks of life. Uh, it looks like he's getting some work though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He's doing great. Okay. All I really want to talk about right now is presentation, because as you know, you guy in in a different you in the film industry, you understand presentation's everything. Right. And so I, I want to talk about presentation. I want to talk about it in, in an odd context in that Conan said some things a couple of weeks ago about Jay White's presentation prior to his first match in AEW. Well, his first match since signing with AEW in AEW. He said, you know, they don't present him like a star. You know, what? what is he? Blah, blah, blah. And I kind of blew it off because all he said is, you know, what is he? Is he just another guy that was in Bullet Club? And I thought, oh, that's not... That's, I don't really get that. But when I saw the match he had, A, I loved it. Yeah, B, I, I kind of got what he was saying. And then I remember you commented on what a great match it was. And I thought maybe we could either have some kindred spirit talk or not, depending on what you think as we go along the way on this ride. Okay? Okay. All right. And we're going to we're going to talk about that specifically and probably a little bit about other aspects of the way AEW presents guys and compare it to the way Gunther was presented, which allows us to talk about Woods Watch. Okay. All right? I like it. All I right. Like it. We'll do that after this. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, go home eat. All right. First of all, let's go into a guy who they are presenting as a killer in WWE. What do you think about, because my guy Justin, who was on last weekend, is on quite a bit. You know, my partner there. He says, you know, did, I presented questions like, does WWE have a Cody problem? Does WWE have a Seth problem? In that, you know, how do you book Cody for a year if you're not going to put the belt on him until next Mania? That seems like weird, right? So they got to do it earlier than that. Seth, it, a lot of ways, you know, he's so popular and he hasn't really been a serious challenger for the belt. You know, they gave him like a two-week program with Roman. Mm-hmm. Is that an issue? But then he said, do they have a solo problem? If you want to find out what we thought about that, you can listen to the last episode. Uh, that no, no problem. Please do that if, if you want. 
do they have solo problems? He said, because he's like, they're presenting solo. Like he is just this monster. And I, I kind of like the way they're presenting solo. What do you think about the way they're presenting solo? Solo is the enforcer. He's there. He's the Arn Anderson. He is the dude who gets everything. He gets it done. Um, he, he's using classic, he's using that, that Umaga spike is the Goldberg spear. Nobody gets up from that. Yeah. It's the jackhammer. Um, his whole deal. I mean, he's not like Jimmy and Jay, you know, Jimmy and Jay have been jokey, you know, that they're serious. They're great competitors. Roman even has like the, you know, he'll crack a smile or do a joke every now and then. Solo's not like that. Solo's a hundred percent killer. Right. He is a hundred percent killer every single time he gets out there. And clean victories. The only person, the only person who we can't beat, who's on that different tier that they showed, was Cody. And we'll get to that too. I love what you said too, because I wouldn't have even th- thought to bring up Roman. Roman is this really weird, intricate character for us, and we see him so much not wrestling that we get to delve into who, and we get to see his insecurities and how he builds this. A wall around him to protect him through his insecurities, right? right. And Solo doesn't have any of that. Mm-mm. Solo's not insecure at all. He's out there to fight. The other thing I love about Solo is his wrestling style. It is a Numaga style. It is, you know, I mean, he's not like speaking a, a native tongue that doesn't really exist or anything like that. But he is in the same mold in that he's going to kill what's in front of him, and he slowly stalks what's in front of him. I didn't like the fact that Michael Cole didn't realize there was going to be a pseudo-clothesline spike. Yeah. And he goes, it was a clothesline. Oh, whoops, that's the finisher, right? I didn't love that, but I do like the concept of we're going to get people... Uh, we're going to finish people quickly. It's not always going to be a set. It's, I'm not always going to scream to the crowd and raise my thumb in the air and then do it. Yeah. Every now and then I'm going to be able to just boom and hit him and put him out. And I did kind of like that a lot. I, I don't have a problem with them having him in main events all the time because I feel like if you're going to break up, the, the at some point they're going to split the Usos off. And if that's where you're going, and we're going to have this match, you're going to have the three-on-three where you have Riddle, KO, Sammy versus Usos. So, right, I'm sorry. Yeah. And Solo. You're going to have that match over in Puerto Rico at Backlash. I think that what you do is one of the one of the Usos eats that pin. And somewhere in there, there's frustration, and Roman says, we're going away, and you guys are on your own. I think that'll be interesting for all characters involved. You might even you might even sling the draft in the middle of that and go ahead and take them off the show. That would be that would be the best way to do it. Just completely separate separate them. Clean break. They go to they go to Raw, and I guess you want to keep Roman on Roman and Solo on SmackDown. I don't think Fox will let Roman leave SmackDown. No, I don't think he has so either. And I think I think that's also why uh, Cody is is going to be on Raw because they they needed a star, and you have to have balance now that they're now they're 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 going to be two different entities, and you're not going to be able to get Roman on Raw as much, even though he is the champion. Uh, it's not going to be guaranteed that he's going to be there every week, but they're building Solo up. To be that next star. When we're talking about presentation, I do think one thing they focus on 
is creating monsters. One of Vince's favorite tropes. It is. Was for, is, is monsters. Right. From, Andre the, from Andre the Giant to uh, bringing in Paul White when he did uh, uh, Big Show to uh, the most recent incarnation, which is Omos. Right. It, 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 is their, it is their thing that they've always done to get that, have that spectacle character or that unbelievable character that just is like unbeatable. And it's you have to have that type of personality, and it does. And the only way you build it is by victories and just overwhelming, making the opponent that you're going against. You have to you have to overwhelm them with force, and that's what Solo does. Agreed. You know, you can go all the way. I didn't think about this. So we're talking, but you can go all the way back to Hogan and remember who the guys is he wound up fighting. They would be like, "Oh, it's Earthquake." He's a killer, you know, or, yeah. uh, you know, they, it was, there was always uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. There was King Kong Bundy. And these guys, you know, they, they always figured out a way to have some kind of monster in front of them. Vince did that. But if you go to now, you can look no further than the women's division in WWE. Look how they've created Bianca. She's John yeah. Cena. She is John Cena. And it works. Kids love her. We love I love her. Everybody loves her. Fantastic. When, when she wrestles, she kills it. I, her and Io are going to have a banger. Uh, Io is one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, and I've been flustered that she hasn't been able to showcase it. And we've seen it in NXT. She's going to have a great match with Bianca. There's not going to be a moment in it that I think Bianca's going to lose. <laughs> I don't. I, I can't see Bianca will not lose until you know the the match that is going to happen is going to be Bianca versus Charlotte Flair. That that whatever down the road that is, but there just isn't there. If especially since Rhea's on on SmackDown now, there is no woman competitor who can get in there and take that belt from Bianca Belair. There isn't right now, and that's okay because it's it's sometimes you need a star like that. And I'm glad you mentioned Rhea because think about the way they presented her to us. She was in Judgment Day, and she's the enforcer. And they didn't wait for Judgment Day to break up. They allowed her to go through the women's division and, and just stay a monster. And even the other night when it's the Usos and Solo and Judgment Day on the other side, it's not Damian Priest standing in front of Solo. She was the one who stood and looked him out of eye. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And of course, we wouldn't really want to see that, right? Because Solo's a monster. But it was... In a wrestling atmosphere, yeah. it felt cool. Yeah, the presentation, like you were saying, of that that image of the two the two uh, two enforcers of e each respective faction standing toe to toe with each other. Absolutely. And you mentioned now, talk about a guy who's kind of overcome his presentation, Seth. Seth has had a Seth has kind of been like in this weird limbo area where you know he's great. He's fantastic. Can do everything you you ask him to do. Has got these just uh, the fans singing his song. He's he's kind of has that that he's gone a little bit more flamboyant and distressing. You know, you never know what you're going to get when he comes out of that uh, out of the out of the back and down the ramp. But they know that he can work with anybody and that right. he can do anything. So they know it's like we can put you with anybody. It doesn't it doesn't matter. We don't even need a story. You just go out there, you're going to sit they're going to sing your song, you're going to have a great match and win or lose, you'll be fine. 
Exactly. Exactly right. And the thing is, they take advantage of that. And I, 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 I wish I remember where I read this. Somebody online said nobody's been booked worse than Seth in WWE. And I don't necessarily buy into that, but I do think that he does lose a lot. And that was his job for a while. But he has managed to overcome that because the wrestling fan, especially the WWE fan, eventually catches on and goes, hey, that guy's fantastic. And we want to see him do more. But think about what they've asked him to do in the last week. Okay, first they had him do Logan Paul. Tough gig, but Logan Paul's an athlete. You go out there, explain to him what to do, he's going to get it done. That match was that match at WrestleMania was, I I think my favorite Logan Paul match so far has been the one with Roman. But that is, that's right up there, probably the second best match. It was unbelievable. It was great. Right. The Roman match was better in that Roman allowed you to believe he could win, which Seth did too, but Seth asked more of Logan in his match, and Logan was able to deliver. Then they say, hey, you know what? The Miz, we we, uh, treated the Miz like he was a clown all WrestleMania. And somebody said, hey, let's try to get him a little bit of his, remind people he's still a wrestler, right? And so they hand him to Seth, and they say, look, you're going to win, but he needs to look good. And Seth goes out there, and The Miz is a good wrestler. We know that, but you forget sometimes because of all the clown stuff they make him do. But Seth and and Miz sit down, put together a match where Miz looks absolutely great. Fantastic. Seth pulls it out at the end. Boom. Perfect, right? And then they say, oh, well, that degree of difficulty wasn't enough. So you're going to get a, a Moss, <laughs> right? And we've seen a Moss. I, I defend a Moss sometimes with people because I'm like, look, man. When he wrestled Brock, it was good. Yeah, no, he's fine. No, I think Omos, they will ask him to do, but it's people, I was going to say, people don't realize how hard it is, I I, I have no idea, to be 7'4 and work with people that are that much smaller than you. It is probably very difficult to get people in position. You have to work so much harder because you're that much bigger now you don't want to hurt. I mean, you don't want to hurt them. One, and two, it's very difficult for them to do their move sets on you because you're so much bigger than them. So every person who goes in there and fights Omos outside of Brock, Brock didn't Brock didn't change anything. Brock was like, I'm just going to do do Brock. But everybody else who goes in there and takes on Omos has to use a completely different move set that they can't use on anybody else. So that's why it's going to be so interesting to see how Seth does this match. Because there's a lot of stuff that Seth can do that he won't be able to do with Omos because of his size. Right. We're not getting the Falcon Arrow. No. We're not, <laughs> no. not going to get that this match. No. And it just proves it, it, it proves to you or the fans, like Seth doesn't need to prove anything to anybody, but that he his ability to wrestle is on a different level because of what he can do with no matter who the opponent is. And Seth is going to give you at Backlash – the blueprint of what Omos's matches against smaller people is going to be. Yeah. Because he's going to figure out a way. And I don't know. I assume they're going to figure out a way for Seth to win. But even if he loses, we have to, the other wrestlers have to know, okay, how do I make this a show? Because he is such a monster. And Seth's going to go out there and show them that. Yeah. With presentation, we have Brock Lesnar in a program with Cody. When Cody goes over Brock, it's going to matter. And the reason it's going to matter is because of the presentation of Brock. He doesn't lose to people. No. It's very rare. 
uh, outside of Roman Reigns that he loses a match. But even Roman uh, had to cheat. Yeah, Roman had to cheat. Yeah, which is, which is, which is crazy. Um, and it did. Yeah, Brock is. He is still. You know, because of because of the, his move sets and how he does things and the power behind everything he does, and uh, the damage that he inflicts. You know, what would Cody? What would Cody have to do to beat Brock clean to win this match? How many crossroads? How many Cody cutters? How many just? How many figure fours? How many pedigrees? He's going to run through that whole gamut of moves to say that I inflicted enough damage to the beast to pin him one two three right do they let him go over at backlash in a one match deal or do we get a trilogy here i think i i just for my opinion i think that this is a uh this is a one-time this is a one-time deal he he, he wins and then brock goes away for a little while again Right, and maybe until SummerSlam or or that, but it's just that that one thing. It's like a WrestleMania. It's kind of like a WrestleMania carryover because if when or when even if Brock were to this is goes into like a DQ type deal or uh, Brock were to win, which which he won't because that that would be too detrimental to Cody's character. Um, I think that he goes away. The key to Brock is the presentation. His character is protected. And yes, would he really beat up pretty much everybody in wrestling? Absolutely. But Absolutely. we all know as we watch, it is scripted. So the way the character is presented to me matters. Yeah. Because I know this character doesn't lose to people. So when Cody goes over, whether it's in this or whether he does the trilogy thing and gets him in a cell and Cody cuts him on the stairs and all, whatever. It matters because to beat Brock Lesnar clean anoints you. In a way that beating no other wrestler in the world anoints you. Yeah, that that is correct. It, it does it does mean something. And co- that, this is a side note. Um, I go to this Crunch Fitness in Roswell. Yes, sir. Cody Cody just joined the, the gym. Oh wow! Cody, Cody Rhodes is coming up there working out in a Crunch Fitness. I'll, I'll get a picture with him eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll come up there and ask him. He's getting no Cody. The the crazy thing I was gonna say when he was first getting into WWE. Um, we were working out at this one gym in Marietta, which is where I guess Dusty was living at the time. I, I walked up to him mid-workout, and I asked him, "I asked him, do you know Xavier Woods?" And Cody, if you know anything, they were bit, they were bitter enemies growing up. They did not like him, and Cody acted like he had no idea who Xavier Woods was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, is he some indie wrestler or something? I was like, uh, okay, maybe he doesn't know. Because I didn't know. I, I didn't really I didn't really know that they, they knew each other like that because I'm I'm six years older than uh than Woods. So I, I didn't know. I just wanted to know. It's like, do you know him? He's he's working hard. He's 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 going all over the place in uh in for in South Carolina trying to get a name for himself. But the the converse, that conversation was I asked him, I was like, Hey man, how do you guys stay on such good shape on the road? Because this is when he was tagging with hardcore Holly. Um, when he first, that's how long ago. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was tagging with hardcore, uh, Holly, um, at that, at that particular time. And he, he gave me the, he gave me, he stopped his work. and gave me an honest answer. He said, Hey, you know, it's a lot of stuff. We, we, it's a lot of the, as on, as seen on TV stuff. He said, ab rollers, perfect push up, perfect pull up. That's how I do it. Now, really? This was, no, this is probably like 2006, 2007 when he told me this. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's it, uh it was crazy so t- 
to see him up there at crunch all this time later. And he does. He's one of those people. He's bigger. Than, he's bigger than you think. A lot of those times you see people and you and you're like, hey, you know, are they, you know, are they legit? Are they legit? And yeah, he's legit. He's he's a pretty big dude. Really? Yeah, he's bigger than you think. Yeah, he talks he, about how you know you have to be, especially in the, he said that he said in an interview, you, you kind of have to be bigger. He was he was worried about MJF, and we're going to get to MJF in a second, a little bit. He he said because he's got to get bigger because if you're standing across the ring from Drew McIntyre and you're not big, and you can see MJF working hard to get big, you know, and MJF yeah. now let's slide over to AEW. First of all, MJF is being presented as a big deal. He doesn't wrestle much. I hated it at first, but I'm starting to kind of get it. When he does wrestle, he has great matches. He uh, He's fantastic on the stick. Sometimes he frustrates me a little bit because he'll dive into tropes a little bit more than I like. But this whole thing with the pillars, they presented the pillars in a way that has been great. Uh, I, I was a little surprised how good Sammy was on the stick on Wednesday compared to the other two guys. Nothing against what the other guys were doing, but I felt like Sammy was better than what Darby and Jungle Boy was doing in that moment at that time. I loved every segment Sammy was in. I love the way they're presenting this. It's a rivalry that can go forward. I think AEW presents 185 to 225-pound guys fantastically. I agree. I agree. They definitely have... Um, especially with Darby, you know, because Darby is is a very slight, uh, very slight dude, but he gets in there, he does he does an amazing job in his matches of using his style. Like they each have the, they each have a style. Darby is the crash crash dummy style. Mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara is a high flyer. You know, works work does a lot of things that that are just the just are in, insane off the ropes and jumping onto the ropes and doing his moves like that. Mm-hmm. And, and MJF is more like he does he does he has a small power power set. But yeah, he's done a great job of getting himself into into this ridiculously great shape. Jungle Boy is a little bit more he's also of the high flyer mold, but he has some very unique moves as well. MJF reminds me a little bit of Hunter, but he's a little bit more of a wrestler. Wrestler, he's got a little Rick Rude to him. Yeah, you know, uh, not not wiggling his belly like that. You know what I mean yeah. with the with the airbrushed picture of the girls on his pants. But <laughs> those he, are classic. But yeah, absolutely. But he does. He Rick could wrestle, man. Rick Rude could wrestle, wrestle. You know, and, and he was powerful. And I he and Jeff reminds me of that a little bit. But he's presented perfectly for him. See, my issue is. Your Wardlows, your uh, Hobbs. Hobbs, those guys are great, but they 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 don't get to separate themselves as much as I'd like them to. And we saw that with uh, I'll tell you somebody who's different though. Jade Cargill is presented like a killer. Yeah, she is. She is you unstoppable. Know. Unstoppable. I was gonna say Atlanta's Atlanta's a hotbed for these people. Uh-huh. I ran to Jay. I saw Jay at Target. She's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's huge. She's huge. Yeah. Huge. She's she's big. She is. She is literally. Uh, she's like almost. She's like almost six one, six two. Just this big, beautiful person. Yeah, yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah, yeah right. she looks. She looks. She's the closest person I've seen to just walking around looking like a, uh, looking like a superhero. Right. Or a supervillain. 
Yeah. Either either way you want to cut it. But yeah, she has a presence that no one else in the AEW women's division has. Right. She has that that presence when you walk when she walks through those walks out of that curtain. There's no one that looks like her, and right. there's no one who possesses that. Like, do you know how hard it is for a girl to have a six pack? I don't. It's three times harder for a girl to have a six pack than a guy, just because of the natural amount of body fat that they carry. Oh. So for her to for her to have a six pack like that after having a kid is unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Now the rest of the division is kind of presented like the men's division in that they all uh they all have a chance. Right. But Hater has brought a physicality to that division. I think is really impressive. I, I, I like the way they're kind of transitioning Britt to a face. She's kind of get, the, the the stuff they did with uh, Jericho and Cole. It obviously in her hometown really gets you feeling in her favor. I think she will at some point have that. Remember how Seth was presented on his face run. Kofi was yeah. presented on his face run oh, where yeah. yeah she'll be that at some point right right, right. You, you can do what you want to me I'm gonna hang in there and eventually I'm gonna pull it out with my finisher you know that kind of thing Jericho frustrates me a little bit if he goes over Cole I'm kind of hoping I get Cole versus MJF at some point I, yeah that'd be good that'd be good yeah but I don't want Jericho to go over Cole no and then slide into the main event and be wrestling MJF or have to go over Cole in order to wrestle Punk because Punk's coming back and Jericho's managed to kind of through the through the social media world turn this whole Punk versus the Jericho's clever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah he's he's a he's a veteran and he knows how to how to maneuver backstage. This whole thing was Punk versus the Elite and Jericho somehow managed to turn the first meeting into him, Tony, and Punk, <laughs> right? And he'll be like, oh. Two weeks ago, I'd never, ever work with you again. But if you want, I'll main event Wembley with you. You know, he's he's slick. And I just hope that they figure out a way for, if that's where they're going to go first with Punk, I hope they figure out a way to do that without Cole losing what I think. I think MJF Cole for a month on the stick against each other would be really entertaining. And, and Adam Cole can wrestle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's good to have him back. All right. Talking about big men, though, the way Keith Lee is presented, talking about Jericho, Jericho manages to withstand all of that punishment, pull one out on Keith Lee. It drives me crazy how Keith Lee is presented. I, why would he be having tough matches with 55-year-old guys? You know, I, 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 it just – Keith is – he's he. that's my point. And when we get into this match, and I know you loved that uh, commando – Versus Jay White match. Why did you like it so much? Well, Commander, that was a lot of stuff I had never seen before when right. he was doing that. I had never seen anybody do the things off the ropes and move like this dude was doing. I was like, this is this is insane. I was like, number one, this is live television. You can't mess up. Everything you do has to be flawless. 100%. And he was, com- and he was completely flawless in there. Some of the- He was holding Jay White, White's hand, jumping off the ropes, holding it, jump, jumping from rope to rope. And it was um, it was Circus Olay right. mixed with pro wrestling, and I, I I was just shocked. I've been watching wrestling since 1985, and I've never seen anything like that before. A hundred percent. 
I, that one thing I love about this company is that I, I know it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but like Vikingo. Yeah. He comes over here from AAA and he gets to be Vikingo. Yeah. Right? He yeah. gets to do whatever he can do. And he yeah. is a video game come to life. Yeah. Commando is a video game come to life. Yeah. I, I love watching it. I love the fact you said earlier about how all these guys have their own style. And the thing is, like, in WWE, yes, everybody has their own style, their own presentation. But they all do wrestle in a certain manner. Right. Right? right. And the beauty of AEW is... You are absolutely who you want to be. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I love the WWE style. I do enjoy it. And I and I like the and thank God they're there because I, I love, you know, you see a solo out there stalking a guy and being treated like a monster. I love it. But also, I don't mind watching guys out there just doing moves and going crazy and it being a video game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that that is a uh, a welcome thing to see and it kind of draws you in. Especially if you're not used to seeing it. Right. Right. And you know on Wednesday night, you're getting four good matches. Every night. Every every Wednesday night. It's going to be just bangers. Right. And you love it. But, okay, so I really liked that match too. But then as it was going on, I was thinking, hold on. Jay White should be a player. Yeah. He should have been more dominating in that match. Right. Even, Even if he was going to have... And I'm, you're nit. I know I'm nitpicking, but even if he was going to have a win with his finisher, maybe it shouldn't have come out of nowhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. you're not going to present C- Commander to me like he's a like he's a player. You're right. not going to do that. Next week he's not going to go out there and be Jungle Boy. No. no right. And right. so when I watch him lose next week. I'm going to be like, well, dang, everybody has a good match against everybody else, and Jay White's not different. From, it, that's the thing. It, it's a worry for me with these things. So do you think that we, we always talk about amassing on our show, like amassing talent, you know, because I think that, that with WWE they have, rightfully so, they have, they, they've got a lot of people, and, and so you don't always see the uh, – you don't always – like we were talking about EO – EO doesn't get to showcase her stuff because there are just so many people that they have to put on. So there are so many people ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Now with Jay White, he's joining AEW, and there are already so many people ahead of him. It's rare that somebody gets there, like like WWE. As soon as Cody got there, Cody was became the number, instantly the number two guy. Right. Jay White should have had that same presentation. The second he got there, he's already in the title picture. Already. Um, in that conversation going for the belt, not, not a match like you were saying where it was kind of close and, you know, he's going back and forth and now it took a, uh, it took a finishing move out of nowhere to get the win, but he was struggling the whole time. Dude, I, I, it's tough because right now I just see him as another guy on the roster, right? But he's a, don't get me wrong. I think he's one of the greatest heels in the whole world. Yeah. Personally. But I, I feel like I don't know for sure if he's going to get that opportunity. And if he does get the opportunity, it kind of feels like right now it's going to be a one month, a loss, and then he's going to be, hey, where's Miro? Yeah. Yeah, where's Miro? Yeah, yeah it, it's – that's the one thing that's, that's frustrating about um, AEW. They do have their like, – like you were saying with Jericho, why is Jericho still at the top? 
Why? Well, I love Chris Jericho. I do too. Dude's great. But you know, why is he still the, why is he still the, uh, why is he being Keith Lee? Right. Why is he being Keith Lee? Right. Or he would be, or he would beat Hobbs or he would beat Warlock. Because that's just, that's just the kind of, that's his, that's his place right now. He's still seen as this dude. Like, like, like you were saying, if he beat Adam Cole, what, what, what would that, that wouldn't help anything. No. No, that wouldn't help anything. It doesn't help anything at all. And it's funny to me because I've watched him on the rise and fall of WCW warn against what I see every Wednesday with him. Yeah. He was yeah. like, oh, you know, Kevin Nash would never do this. And, uh, and he thinks, I mean, he thinks of being in a program with him. Okay, I'm, I'm speaking for him and I do not know the man. I've read three of his books up. It feels like he thinks just being in a program with him anoints you to a higher level. And I build stars. And at this point, Adam Cole's already a star. You're not building yeah. him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a main event type person who headlined several NXT takeovers. Right. Uh, well, well known, you know, Bullet Club, all that. All that. So, so, yeah, he should beat Chris Jericho. Should. Right. Right. Keith Lee was a world champ. Yeah, before he became a. But, he, yeah, I know. And the fact that the the fact that the Adam Cole had to go over there and console Keith Lee after the loss was like I was like, what is this, dude? Why? It was. It yeah. felt a little. You remember how Vince booked Sting to lose <laughs> at WrestleMania? Yes, that was horrible. Tony Khan booking the two X NXT champs to sit there and frowning <laughs> while Chris Jericho's in the ring. It felt a little similar, didn't it? It did feel. Now that you bring that to, bring that to my attention, it did. <laughs> Okay, now let's move into our final stretch here. Gunther is presented like a monster in WWE. He has squash matches. He has fairly good matches, and then he turns them into dominations. He has matches where his ego costs him a little bit. He has matches where he wrestles guys that are like him, Sheamus, Drew, and he still absorbs what they have, pulls it out. He's presented like a monster as well. If you remember Lashley, some of my favorite matches in the last few years were Xavier Woods, Lashley matches. Yeah, they were great. Lashley was presented like a monster too. And we have, again, this was the first time I could not believe this is the first time Xavier has wrestled for a singles title. I don't even, it is, it is. Well, he's wrestled. He wrestled John Cena for the U S title. Like, like eight years ago. Okay. John's open, open challenge. But that, but but for for the sake of that show, I understand you. You got to say nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers that match with John. Right. It was it was one 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 off eight years ago. Is is it was before it was literally before uh, John fought Rock the 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 first no the second time right the first time. Uh, but yeah yeah so so yeah so saying that he was this is the first singles title blends into what they're trying to say. Yes. Correct. So. We get this match, and Woods takes him to the limit. I thought the match was fantastic. You love the match? I love the match. I love the, the pacing, uh, the back and forth, each of them working to the strengths of the other. Yeah, and Xavier's so good in the ring. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of, and it's not fair to him because he's, he's been in it longer, but it reminds me of how whenever main event Uso happened, how great it was. And Woods is that kind of guy. You, Jimmy's that kind of Jimmy Uso is that kind of guy. You can put them in on a singles run, and they will take care of it. You saw it with King of the Ring. Yeah. 
Yeah. What the WWE did by having him go the distance with Gunther the other night was, even though he lost, was remind you this guy can be a player if we need him to be. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's the important thing. He has this this knack of getting in there, not only doing he, – he can make anybody look great, but also making himself look really good. And I am, I am so happy that the crowd feels him, you know, when he's out there. Uh, when he goes up to the top row, throws his hands up. You know they go wild when he when he's getting into when he's getting off those uh, this combos crowds going wild um, when he rallies you know the crowds behind him you know they're feeling him and he's got he's also got some unique moves that that I like like the my favorite one is the one where he climbs to the top rope and then he skids the cat and then delivers the elbow drop that's one of my favorites mm-hmm. but going against Gunther somebody who who has this. Who went toe to toe with Drew McIntyre, who's a monster? Went toe to toe with Sheamus, who's a monster. But to have Woods go out there and give equally the amount of, uh, for him to have equal amount of difficulty beating Woods, uh, goes a long way towards showing uh, how far Woods has come and and just the respect that uh, they have for Xavier Woods in that company. I agree. I totally agree. If you go back through history, you remember when? Okay, Jeff Hardy's back. Awesome. You know, uh, mm-hmm. everybody's rooting for you, Jeff. You know, we, we all wanted to work out, all that. But if you remember when Jeff Hardy was coming out of the tag team division and he wrestles Taker and he takes yeah. Taker to the limit and Taker keeps thinking he's got him put down and he keeps getting up. And Taker's, it was really one of the first times you remember the opponent looking at the person he's fighting and being like, man, what do I got to do? kill this kid and then he lifts the kid up after he pins him at that moment jeff hardy becomes a player in the men's division and it wasn't what jeff hardy did even though all those great moves happened in that match and all of that that wasn't the point the point was taker's character had difficulty putting him away because of the way taker had been presented for the decade prior yeah yeah and and that's the thing we have to keep that's what i hope they keep in mind when they think of these characters. And that's one thing that Shawn Michaels always talked about. You got to protect your character. And he said, well, you know, when, when I would argue with Vince, people said, oh, he politic backstage. I would go to Vince and I would say, am I going to get fired if we talk about this? And Vince would say no. And I would explain to him why I felt like I needed to win. And then Vince would walk to their locker room and say, hey, we're going to switch the ending. Now, at that moment, they could have said to Vince, am I going to get fired if I talk, if we talk about this? And they could have given a retort, but they didn't. And he said, that's not on me. That's on them because they could have tried to defend their character. They didn't. Yeah. They let me defend my character. That's why you hear about, and hey, I'm, that's why Jericho does what he does because yeah. you make more money at the top of the car. So you're going to, so there's it, no reason why you shouldn't defend your character you know what i mean that's not on you that's on the opponents also the two weeks prior that i think helped woods with this is the two victories over la night absolutely yeah that was also great a great build that was also a great build for them to uh to put in there and uh to have these these two two solid victories 
uh, one with the one with the backwoods, and then one with the roll up with the tights. Right. Even though that that you're not the roll up with the tight was kind of a cheap one, but he's a he's he's perceived as a top star, even though he hasn't been there that long, hasn't been hasn't had these great great matches. But down the line, down the line, this is what I'm thinking: L.A. Knight might be a world champion. I do think, I do think he's got everything it takes. I worry sometimes with Vince. Once a guy falls down, you know, thing about Tony is he'll forget about a new toy. Yeah. But then eventually he'll pick the toy up. Yeah. And you'll be like, well, I don't understand why he picked him up two months later, but heck, at least he picked him up. At least he does. You yeah. know, now crossbones. We're gonna we're gonna call that a wrap, man. Thank you so okay. very much. Yeah. Tell Thank everybody you. where they can find you. All right. We are on the Banging and Clanging Sports podcast on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple to iTunes, uh, Anchor FM. Uh, also on Instagram at uh, Clanging and Banging ATL. And then the podcast is Banging and Clanging Podcast. Hey, tell me this. You've watched, you're the only guy I know doing XFL pods. Yeah. Okay. Now. I, Go ahead. The oh the XFL podcast we call it's under Banging and Clanging. We call it the uh, it's the Game Over podcast presented by Banging and Clanging. Right, and we do all XFL. Right, I, and I, I like those. Do you think the XFL is in a position to stick around? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, they have had a fantastic first year. Um, they they have outdrawn. Now the thing is, it's crazy. They've had they've been averaging about seventy five thousand in attendance uh, throughout the throughout the league. Really? Which? Oh yeah, yeah. So the St. Louis Battlehawks have sold had four consecutive sellouts, thirty five thousand people, in, in each in each of their last game. The Battlehawks they're they're in St. Louis. Uh, the um the other team. So, oh um. The San Antonio Brahmas are averaging about 19,000. 19, right. They were very good in putting them in cities that support the team. Now, what's crazy about the XFL, they, all, they, they don't practice at the cities. They just play the games. All the teams practice in, in Texas. They have one big, huge facility. All the teams are there, and then they fly out to the, the venues right. on the weekend. And yeah, they, so they're, oh, go ahead. They do have an affiliation with the NFL. Oh yeah, yeah, they're completely under the NFL umbrella. So the rules are very similar and the and the XFL, the NFL is using the XFL as kind of like a test ground to test some of the rules, to test some to test some camera angles to uh, to to kind of help streamline their game, but those players in the XFL will have a greater uh, a more direct link into getting back into the uh, into the NFL. Well, it's probably helpful to have everybody in one practice area. So, yeah. if I'm a, if I'm a coach in the NFL, I can fly down there real quick, walk around, start talking to people, and figure out how I fill out my roster for the spring. I will give you or one the guarantee. summer training camps. There is one player. His name is Jacques Pearson for the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons. He'll be on an NFL roster next year. What's he Starting. playing? He's a wide receiver. Okay. Okay. He's going to be on an NFL roster. Um, I will guarantee that, and he will be a starting wide receiver in the NFL next year. All right. All right. You heard that here first. Thank you so much. This has been a Go Home Heat production. Thants to our friends. It's again Project E-G-I-N-N, Project.com. Thanks to the Daily Smart, your one-stop shop for all. Thanks, Pro Wrestling. And thank you, Daily Smart, for 
grabbing our stuff and putting it up on your po- on your in your podcast section. Folks, if you if you do listen to this wherever you listen to it, uh, subscribe, like, let people know you like us. Reach out to me at Go Home Heat One anytime you want. Message me. Tell me I'm screwing up. Tell me I'm great. Tell me what you want to hear about. Ask me if you can come on. I don't care. Get up. Thank you, my man. I love this show. I listen to it every week. And thank you so much for having me on. And I look forward to the next time. Awesome. Appreciate it.